Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I am amazing, thank you. Good. I am joined by this beauty, redheaded beauty, that I've known of. I've actually realised we've known of each other for a very long time, but we've never really like hung out and had a coffee. So no. this is like our first date. Nice to meet you properly. Yeah, I know. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so. Can you tell us a little bit about you, um, who you are, and what you do? So I am an actress and writer. I still feel like I'm lying when I say that. It always feels like I'm making it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I am, and I am currently writing uh, the first screenplay that I've done by myself. So this is I've. It's my. Fourth feature film, and up until now, I've worked alongside men. Actually, it's all been ma other male writers, which is fine. It's great, um, but this is the first one that I've done. It's very female-driven, and I am the sole writer on it. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I recently, well, the last film I did is called Killers Anonymous, and it is out on the 28th of June in America. I co-wrote that one and I'm in it and yeah so that's kind of what's happening with me at the moment how old are you 29 29 how did you get into that like I when I when I see because obviously I've seen some of the um trailers for Killers Anonymous it looks amazing I can't wait to see it I can't wait to see it I haven't seen it yet yeah no but um like how how do you get how did you how did that opportunity come because there are some big people in that yeah, the um, in terms of the cast with with Killers Anonymous, I'm still pinching myself to be honest because I think it it's been about eight years I think since I started working in film. Mm. So I started writing my first film, yeah, about eight years ago, um, and every step of the way, there's always things that you know it is quite an extraordinary job and when you find yourself on set and you're you know with other actors and you're with all these amazing people there are a lot of pinch me moments along the way mm. there's also a lot of dark moments along, along the way but um yeah this cast came together it's a really cool cast um so we've got uh, Gary Oldman, Jessica Alba, Tommy Flanagan, um Ryan Brown, Miana Buring there's some just brilliant amazing names in there and to be honest with you I I don't really know how that happened <laughs> so suddenly I was like okay they're all here the gang's all here and off we go amazing but it's yeah the film is it's produced um by Goldfinch Productions who are yeah a film company in London um and they you know put it out to these these actors and they 
liked the script, which was a massive compliment. compliment yeah. yeah. Was, oh my God, they, they like it. Okay. Um, and yeah, and it kind of went from there, really. How, so what made you go? Because obviously, I mean, we first met because we both did, we were both into acting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how, what was the transition for you deciding to go from acting to writing was it was it always a passion for you was it like the creative side I get asked that quite a lot about the writing because you know I didn't I didn't train as a writer I didn't Mm. go to writing school I mean my my qualifications as a writer stopped at a level you know that's that's what it was but um I have always always written and I don't think I really realized that I'd always written I just sort of did it yeah whether it was journaling um which I've literally done since I was a kid and I've still got all of my diaries and journals and it's always um it's always been something that I go to almost as a a therapy thing Mm. and just just you know if I'm having a day you know when you're having one of those days and you think okay what's going on in my head what's happening write it down Mm. so it's always been something that I've done and practiced um and I moved, so I moved to London. I, so I didn't finish my uni degree. I did the foundation. I did two years um, mm-hmm. in Gloucestershire. Um, it got to the end of the, two, the first two years and I was just ready to get out because it was, I was still at home, you know. Um, and this uni course was this brilliant course that was on the doorstep and I thought well yeah I'll do that but so instead of going further afield you know going to London going going elsewhere and moving away I was still at home and I think by the time it got to the, the two years I just thought I've got to get out there and and do something mm. so yeah I moved to London and kind of had the idea actually at that point I was really set on doing musical theatre mm. um I was set on, you know, maybe auditioning for drama schools in London to do musical theatre. And then I met um, my first writing partner, Martin Owen. And we started talking and he said he was working on a few projects. He asked what I was doing. I said, you know, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Um, and we started playing around writing stuff together. Anyway, um, there's a producer over in LA who had come to him with this idea for a feature film. Um, and Martin said, have you ever written a script, a film script before? And I hadn't, but mm. I said, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, loads of times. Who hasn't? <laughs> um, Did one on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, I just kind of learned as I went how to write how to write a script because actually when you're writing a script it's completely different you know it's a different a whole different thing from just opening up a computer or getting a pen and, and, and writing down it's a whole process there's a whole you've got to imagine everything don't you yeah and you have to you know there's it's it's just a completely different thing but kind of learned as we went along wrote this script ended up going making this film over in LA um and that was the first one 
and from there, you know, when that had finished, I sort of thought, oh, we've actually just written and made a future film. Okay. Then the next one happened. Again, similar thing. Producer comes along and says, okay, we've got, um, this is this is the idea. Can you write that? Right, okay. Yep, do that. And that, that just kind of kept happening where it was, we were essentially at that point script writers writing for people who had already had these concepts that they wanted the script for. Um, and I was enjoying it. I was really loving it. But also each step along the way, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to write myself into it because mm-hmm. I want to, I still want to act. I still want to, I don't want to, I don't want to stop that. I don't want to give up on that because I think at that point I'd pretty much given up on dancing and singing. Mm. I loved dancing and I was okay at dancing. I loved singing, but I didn't have the confidence with it. Acting, however, it was just something that I knew I couldn't really let go of. So yeah, I wrote myself into them, Um, which is a lot of people do that now because it's kind of, uh, there's a big thing about, creating your own work because otherwise you are just you know it's going into auditions and you are just competing with so many other people it's hell I absolutely hate that I hate that side of of it it's just hard isn't it really hard it is really hard and it's it can be really soul destroying it can be terrible for your confidence um or it can be great for your confidence you know if you get a part or whatever anyway so yeah um that's that's kind of how it happened it a a bit by accident writing Mm. Um, I never, I never thought back then when I was at uni training in musical theatre, I never thought I'll be a writer. Mm. Um, yeah. I think it's like, like a couple of things from what you said, because you were talking about kind of, a, of obviously the course and mm. I was on the same foundation yeah. and I ended up, when I had to leave drama school, I ended up finishing my degree there. Um, and it's a, it is an amazing course. And I think over the, I mean, we were the ones that were right at the beginning of the course. So it was very much, you were kind of almost in a bubble. We were learning from people who were kind of West end, um, grade people. Yeah. It was an amazing course, but we were right at, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. And, but that was the thing is it was amazing, amazing tutors and teachers and coaches and I actually don't think I realized how lucky I was to be in that mm. at the time but it was yeah sorry I interrupted no you can... no no I no, I completely agree but I think the hard thing with it was that when you left it was like but you know there wasn't an agency there yeah. weren't agencies coming to see you yeah, yeah. What, at the end in your showcases yeah. there wasn't that that real serious nature of um of performances as there would have been if you were in London and sometimes you do need that atmosphere around you yeah yeah. and so and I and so I completely get why you wanted to leave and I think for me it was always a stopgap I always knew that I I wanted to go to London um and and yeah it's very much about the environment and I think it's I mean the course itself I know that they branch out a lot and they do more things in London they've got um, agents to come and see them yeah. but obviously we were right at the start of that yeah. so we didn't get that opportunity so you have to go out and find it yourself yeah. and some people did like yourself and some people didn't um and both are fine yeah but something else I wanted to pick up on as well because you talked about like confidence and auditioning and stuff um and I think that's a real sh- struggle sometimes yeah. with actors I mean you you only need to look at Kit Harrington. 
Yeah. And what's happened to him after Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. Eight years, and then he, he just doesn't know what to do, and he's ended up checking himself into somewhere that can help his mental well-being because... No, it's just so common, isn't it? Mm. And, and you I, can see why. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got a weird fact about him, actually. Um, so before Game of Thrones kicked off, yeah. my friend from Mulvin's little sister was out. I say little sister. She was still like 18 or whatever, yeah. but out at a nightclub. And Kit Harrington went up to her yeah. and basically said, oh, can I have your number? Um, and she was a bit like, no, I've got a boyfriend. Um, so he added her on Facebook, yeah. I think. Um, and she still was like, oh, no, I've got a boyfriend kind of thing. Like, wasn't like fair play to her. She was, yeah. not, she was yeah. not going. Um, but then like, obviously I think it was, it was merely a couple of months later. So, and he was this massive Game of Thrones star and we were all just like, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> oh, yeah, good for her. I, yeah. It's funny how it does change people's opinion on someone when suddenly they are famous. If they're famous, you know, would it, does that change? So suddenly you see someone as, as being different or better yeah. or, yeah, it's interesting. It is. I think then there's a hierarchy as well. And I think that quite often people that watch TV adverts and, and things like that, they see these, these people and they don't really get that. Well, they don't know them as people and yeah. they're just kind of a, a character. Um, so there is that kind of real like fourth wall yeah. where everything that they do isn't real. Yes. And then when you find these little links, like on <laughs> another game of Thrones story, yeah. don't talk about game of Thrones all the time. <laughs> um, so I went to stagecoach with a girl who is honestly one of the most lovely girls I've ever met. She, she was quite lacking in confidence. Yeah. I see her everywhere. So she was, she's an Amazon advert. She was on a Colgate mm-hmm. advert. Um, she's everywhere. And I'm constantly going, Oh, that's a, uh, let's call her Jane. That's yeah. not her name. But I was like, Oh, that's Jane. And, uh, Alan gets so annoyed with me for it. <laughs> um, but we were watching Game of Thrones and there's one of the, on the most recent season where, um, is it Bronn, the Blackwater? He's got three prostitutes in his bed with him. And one of the girls was Jane. There's Jane. There's Jane. And I was like, oh, look, there's Jane. Jane proceeds to take all, all her clothes off and is completely stark bollock naked. And I'm let, yeah, I'm sat there going, but that's Jane. That's Jane. <laughs> like ruined the fourth wall. Alan, don't look, that's Jane. Yeah. <laughs> so don't look at her. Don't look. I know who this is. Stop it. And it is really funny. And that's what I find. I, I used to find it really difficult because obviously I, I've walked away from kind of that yeah. world. And, I, and it, I used to go to West End plays and things like that. And I would bore my eyes out the entire way through. Yeah, because it just killed. Because it was yeah. like my entire life, all I wanted was that. But now it's quite nice and it's quite funny to see. Do you still ever get that pull? I, I do and I don't. It's difficult because I really cut myself off mm. emotionally from it because I had I had to. Um, I guess. Do you do you feel like there's a lot of hurt attached to it? because of what you went through when you were um not so much now because it wasn't it isn't because 
I mean, I left in the end. I mean, in, Lon- in terms of London, when I went to Mountview, I left because although I had my eating disorder under control, um, my body was just bruised and done. So I was falling asleep mid-conversation um, and I just wasn't, I knew I couldn't do it to my best. Yeah. And so it wasn't really acting for me that ruined it. It was more just that was where I was in life and I needed to let go. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm a bit like my life would be so different, but then, ev- I mean, how... Exactly. And, and everything you go through, you could yeah. look back and say, yeah, but if I didn't do this, this would have happened. And you could beat yourself up for days and weeks and yeah. years by that. But the other thing is, it's something that even if it's not, because I do think with anything creative, there's never, I don't think you ever have to completely leave it, even if you don't want to do it necessarily professionally or dedicate your whole life to it if you ever found yourself I miss doing that and I could dip my toe back into it I don't think there's ever a moment a a point in your life where it's like no sorry that door's closed I think that's always something that you could if you ever wanted to if it was something that you sort of fell back in love with or you missed it you can always pick stuff back up again but just not to such an intense degree I think mm. the thing is it can get so consuming and so intense. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, um, I mean, it was funny because when I was speaking to Michael Maisie on this podcast, he was like, you should go back into it. And that made me feel really confronted. Yeah. So I was like, well, no, I don't want to. Yeah. But actually, since then, and I have that question quite a lot. I do get a lot of people saying, oh, why don't you go back to it? Why don't you go back to it? And I think it's because I always saw it as a black and white then thing. And I always thought of it like I either have to put everything into it yeah. or nothing. Like you, have to, you have to do it and see an end game with it. Like I'm going to do this and then I'm going to get that part and then I'm going to do this and then it's going to go. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Yeah, exactly. I do think, because also I have in the, well, I mean, I guess I've, literally since I was a kid always sort of done it but Mm. there have been particularly since starting professionally there have been so many times when I have gone I can't do it it's too painful I'm Mm. I'm going home no I'm done and they have and I you know so I hear so many people say you know it's the ones that are successful are the ones who never gave up you always keep going you just keep going but I would love to challenge anybody in that profession to say what they haven't ever at least once gone I, I can't mm. you know and if if there are if people can genuinely say that then hats off to them but I think it is so intense and it's so it's such a personal thing mm. I think you are literally putting your it's your face it's your body it's your voice it's your it's what people see of you and you are putting it out there to basically to be judged yeah and it's, you know, how how can you cope with the judgment if it's not good judgment? You know, it's really, mm. really, really hard. And I think, um, and exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm. Um, and I just, there's been so many times when I've, I think, given up. Mm. I just kind of thought, no, okay, 
keep going, go back to it, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep slogging it out, keep slogging it out. Mm. Um, but I think that's another, when going back to the writing, I think that's another, I, if I didn't write, I don't know if at this point, if I would have been able to continue. Mm. You've kind of been able to go through that cathartic experience writing. Yeah to get yourself back into it like but also just dump it in and deal with it exactly well I think you know with writing as well it's slightly more I say with writing with fictional writing it's just more anonymous it's words on a page it's not necessarily your face yeah yeah but I think going through i like when you mentioned like you've had days or times where you've just thought this is too hard this is too painful but those moments are what make life golden I find like that's where you're going to get the best stories from or the best inspirations from yeah I couldn't agree more in I absolutely couldn't agree more and in fact the script so the script that I'm writing at the moment it's called we're all a bit like Lily and it is about a um, it's about all those kinds of, you know, it's touches on so much about mental health and, um, alcoholism or being single and all, all these kind of things that we, that we, that we go through. There is no way I could write that script with honesty if I hadn't experienced it. And actually when I started, when I very first put the first words of this script onto a page, I was probably at the darkest point I've ever been in. Mm. And it, you know it can take it can take years to write a screenplay you pick it up and put it down but it is that it's at those points where you think you know if if that if if all these things hadn't happened if I didn't feel that way well it would be a pretty boring script as well because yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't I mean, be able to you know I'm going off you write what you know don't you yeah 100% and I think like I think that's where uh, like actors who get into method acting are so powerful because they they are they put themselves into uh, experiences and um, positions where they have to experience what their character is going to experience and I mean you've got people that obviously it affects very deeply like um, oh what's his face oh, I keep wanting to say Hugh Jackman but it's not Who's the guy on uh, 10 Things I Hate About You? Oh, Heath Ledger. Yeah, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I think there's a lot of, I think there is a lot of um, mental strength for somebody to have to either have or gain mm. going into that kind of, the, that kind of world. And people, people view it as being you know well you just stand on stage say some lines people laugh people cry that's it that easy yeah <laughs> that's all there is to it yeah but actually I think I think that in a way acting is one of those professions that does lure people who um may not be as confident in their own lives or may want to escape from their reality yeah. um and or want validation yeah. um, actually I think that's that's so true and I think there is a massive misconception when it comes to um, actors performers uh, oh well you must be so confident you you know you can get on stage and you can do that or you can stand in front of a camera and and actually 
the reality couldn't be more different that it's okay to stand yeah because I'm, I'm not me I'm being someone else right now but then as soon as it gets to the point of okay now can you stand here and I'm going to take a photo of you headshots for instance mm. the worst thing ever because you it's you're having a photo taken as you or if you have to be you know interviews and you're talking about things as yourself mm. that's a completely completely different thing but if you are you know when you're playing a character you're not you yeah <laughs> somebody the else. are gone aren't they yeah yeah and so it's not that's I mean yeah of course it requires it requires a certain level of confidence and being able to stand up and be seen but yeah I don't know. There's just, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions behind it, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Even if you you know that the person is very different to the actor, I think it was with like someone like Zac Efron. Yeah. Like, I mean, I he's got a special place in my heart, right but, next to Richard yeah. Hammond. He has but, got a special place in everybody's heart. I think. Yeah. <laughs> God. I used to have a picture of him on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> What, and high, school I, days or? high school musical days and I'm pretty sure I was like 15 or 16 I was way too old to have some like a picture on my wall <laughs> oh my god did you see him in Baywatch yes I mean the film itself not great but just for him it is what it is but yeah he wow yeah yeah I mean I just watch him run all day anyway <laughs> we digress um <laughs> but yeah whenever he was interviewed I was always really disappointed because he was just not very he wasn't singing. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> when is he going to break that up? Too. Yeah, when, when, when are you going to break free, Zach? Jeez. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's funny, actually, you say that because um, our listeners won't be able to see this, but I just got this out of my drawer. <laughs> it just happens. It just... Fun. It's uh, the High School Musical (laughs) DVD, just there on the side. And do you know why it's there, actually? Because we moved not that long ago, and Alan was packing all the DVDs up, and I thought, (laughs) yeah, I needed that one close by, so I put it in a separate drawer. (laughs) So good. I love that. (laughs) You wouldn't guess I was 28, would you? (laughs) No. High School Musical, always to hand. Just Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't watched it for years, but it's just so there. Yes, you have. I'm going to watch it today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, but uh, yeah, in interviews, Zac Efron is very um, like he's very mellow and he's not very yeah. like smiley. He's he's yeah. very serious. Yeah. And I was always really disappointed because I wanted him yeah. to be this this character. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a few actors, and you'll see them in interviews for TV. Yeah, and you think, oh, that's what you're not like that. Yeah, you're probably being yourself. Yeah, like what's going on? But yeah, I think that's just. I mean, when actors are able, when you see them and they are so different, you do have to kind of give them a pat on the back and just be like, yeah. you know what? Actually, that shows how good of an actor yeah. you are. Yeah. Um, and I recently started rewatching Skins. Did you ever watch Skins? Oh my god, I loved Skins. Yeah. And I actually auditioned for Skins when I was, I think, 16. Ah, oh, you would have yeah. been good in Skins. I didn't get it. But, but also, that was, the fir- that was the first audition I ever did and hated it. Did I you? I just hated that experience. I didn't feel good when I came out of that experience. And mm. it's sort of, the whole audition thing, it's always been a bit of a thing for me, but I just, 
came out and crumbled was just like, oh, didn't get it oh, don't like you know and I think as well if you're young and you're already going through you know confidence stuff and whatever it's auditions are just what what is it do you think that you don't like is it like the competition element is it the um judgment it's the judgment and the rejection I'm not gonna lie that that is that's what it is and it's mm. the going in and doing something stupid I always do things that are just stupid and I you know how did I not pick up on that or why did I ask that stupid question and or being laughed at being being laughed out of a room it, uh, you're not good enough it's just, it's all those things all those gremlins that you try and ignore all the time hmm. suddenly you walk into a room and they're literally all stood there yeah oh shit it's you lot like yeah. <laughs> you're all okay and it's you know it t- I think it just takes it takes a lot to be able to completely ignore those gremlins yeah trust, trust yourself and think all right, well, if I'm not right for it, I'm not right for it. Mm. That's it. But you, you know, you go in and if you don't, you can't help but feel, well, I can't anyway. It's, yeah, it's the rejection and the, the worry that you made a dick of yourself, basically. <laughs> but you have to get over that with acting because basically your job is to make a dick of yourself. Mostly. 100%. <laughs> I mean, you only need to look at like, like drama school mm. auditions. Oh, to- my God be to know that acting is basically making a dick out of yourself like I think the worst thing I had to do was we had to be uh, uh, the I mean the these kind of things give people give actors a bad name sometimes but it's like be air oh fuck off (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) but come on what what would you be like if you were green (laughs) I don't like this like yeah I know I know, and yet the thing is, still, I still teach drama sometimes. Um, and when I'm teaching drama, I go in and I find myself doing that same thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids, be air. <laughs> <laughs> and the, but the thing is, kids, they're like, oh, yeah, all right, great. And they, they literally become air. I wouldn't, how do you? Yeah. That's incredible. And they, and, but that's also because I think they don't care. No. They just, they don't care. They don't have, they haven't yet had those... They don't have shame. They don't no, have guilt. They just have fun with it and don't, mm. they just don't care. And I mm. love that. That's my mm. favorite thing about teaching kids is mm. that they don't care. But then it, you get, so that's like with, with the really little ones, the level of not caring is sometimes, yeah. can we maybe care a little bit? Then you've got like the middle section of kids, maybe sort of aged about seven to 12, I want to say, generally. And that's where this, you see this real like confidence and excitement and hunger to want to do the next thing and they really want to go for it. Then you get to the teenagers and you can absolutely see already which ones of them are, I mean, social media, I can see the effects of it now on teenagers teenage girls and boys I can mm. you can see it when they walk into a room you think you can just tell yeah the no I have to be it's like that they're battling between wanting to still be kids their, their love of being theatrical their love of being in this you know it's a safe space for them to be silly and to mm. let go and to explore and but they are coming in with this absolute it's a ball and chain and mm. it's social media and it's 
societal expectation you can see it there's girls that you I can't actually see their face because they are wearing that much makeup mm. and I used to when I was a teenager oh my god it was even not a teenager up until a few years ago I'd look at pictures and I think how much did you need how many eyelashes did you need on there like how much how much did you need to put on your face to hide it and that's what mm. it is you're hiding it you are hiding yeah. what is on your face and I can see it they come in and they've done the contouring right and it is like stripe, 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 stripe. And I just feel, I never used to get it when I was a teenager. They said, you don't need to wear that makeup. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But it is like the next level now, the, the, the amount of strain on them. I just mm. feel so, so sorry for them. And I hate the fact that they have to deal with that. Yeah. When we were at school, right? Without even, without that, it was hard mm. enough. Yeah, I think I. I mean, I think the. I'm sorry, it went on a. Rat. I don't know where that even came from. I mean, no, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? Is that being air? Oh yeah, it was fuck air. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, I I completely agree with you in terms of like teenagers. I've done talks with kids in schools and mm. and you know it, you 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 can see it and it's but I also think that on the on the other side of the coin teenagers are a lot more savvy than yeah we were um yeah. and I, I don't i might not be you know across the board across the country but i've met some teenagers who are some of the smartest people i've i've ever met because they're so aware of the world like they could tell yeah. you all of the different types of personality yeah. um or gender or that's you know the side of it isn't it that's they have got so much more insight into the world than we yeah. did i think it's just it's just what we encourage and i think the arts and whether it be you know writing uh dancing singing acting etc painting music the arts are a way to help to express emotions and to understand and find empathy as well which like you could find empathy with somebody in the pages of a book and not yeah. feel like you can find that uh, with your peers definitely and, yeah and I, I think that it's so important for our society I mean god like some kind of performing arts or you know p storytelling has been around since like we the beginning we yeah we <laughs> we were around yeah. and it is a really powerful tool and I think that you know the more that we can create um theatre stories, TV, films around topics and that are presented in a really interesting um, but real way is so important. Like, have you ever seen Girl Interrupted? Yes. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. one of my favourite films. Yeah. Partly because I can kind of, <laughs> I can kind of associate with that. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> in fact, I was watching it, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I get her. Yeah, that's the thing. But it doesn't glamorise it either. Like, no. I mean, it's a it's a quite an old film now, but it is still yeah. quite on point. And like, obviously, I've been I've, I've been to a um, hospital yeah. for um, for a while, and some things in there, you're like, yeah, that's bang on. Like, yeah. that's I get it. But in sorry, carry on. In general, it's a like it's it's it doesn't glamorize it and i think that's the key thing yeah, definitely totally totally it's holding up a 
mirror, isn't it? And it's saying mm. this is actually, this is actually what it's like. And I think, you know, if you've been through an experience like that, to then see, not only to visibly watch a film where it is, it's playing out in front of you and you can relate to it, but knowing that that was created by people who obviously have experience with that. It takes thousands and thousands of people to make a film and all of them will now have some sort of awareness of actually what that's like. Do you find that comforting? Because I can imagine, and please like, tell me to shut up, I, do, I don't have experience of this myself, but I can imagine that feeling can be fairly isolating if you're the only person you know from your direct friends or family that have been through that, how do you, seeing it play, played out in a, I guess, in a fictional way, does that bring you almost a comfort in knowing like, okay, that's not just me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think I, I kind of explain it sometimes how, you know, when people go traveling and have you ever been traveling for a long period of time? No, no more than six weeks <laughs> so, okay well still you could still yeah. kind of apply it so for example I went to Australia for yeah. six months and yeah. I did so much stuff there yeah. and when I was there there were so many stories to tell and um you know it was amazing I got back and if anyone asked me what did you do I'd be like um I just couldn't yeah start to explain yeah. because there was just so many things and if I said oh yeah well, like we went to this beach like you just don't you can't do it justice yeah. that's such a good analogy actually and I think quite a lot of mental health is like that yeah. there is so much there is there's almost too many experiences thoughts feelings words to explain it that yeah. it's sometimes the simplest way of that's why we take pictures yeah this way of explaining something and it's very similar with film and um and tv because sometimes the moments that you really appreciate are the moments when no one's talking yeah definitely it's a reaction yeah yeah i couldn't agree i couldn't agree more actually that's a really good analogy you're writing on a new project at the moment and centers around like mental health and um alcohol and things like that what I guess what was the motivator what was the inspiration behind it did you do you have do you have something in your head like this is what I want to create or is it more of a um you know you talk to different people and you create this experience from there to be honest I haven't really I don't think I've really fully spoken about this yet so bear with me I'll try not to waffle (laughs) If I go back to when I very first start, had the idea for this script, it was probably, say about a year and a half ago, when I had this idea. And I was in a really, really just, I was just deeply, deeply unhappy. I had, this was one of my moments where I'd thought, I'm done with film. I'm done with all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back home. I got a different job um, working actually with special needs children, which is amongst, I've had a lot of different jobs and that is the most, the most challenging job I've ever had. It is a hard job and people don't get enough, people don't get enough credit for what they do. Anyway, I digress, but I was living at home. I was deeply unhappy doing a completely different job. My life had kind of, changed completely I was in a relationship before 
um, for about five and a half years. So I was in a long-term relationship. We were working together for a lot, for a lot of it. We'd broken up. I just went into a, a you know, really dark place. And I found myself suddenly, obviously, being single. And I thought, okay, I've never, at this point, because when I, dating apps weren't really a thing before I was in this relationship. So suddenly, I was single. I, I'd, I'd kind of just decided, for, no, I'm not doing film anymore. Forget it. Um, I was living back home, had a different job. And I was, I did that thing where I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have children. This is it. And if I want that, I'm going to have to, I need to meet people. I need to, and I went into this absolute chaotic, just chaotic mindset of fuck, shit, what do I do? Mm. How do I feel? What am I doing? And I just got so, I didn't know how to do it. I just didn't actually know how to do it. So I started reading a lot. I was reading a lot because I was struggling so much with my mind. I was having counseling. I was on medication, you know, and I was just in such a bad place. And I started reading and I read so many books about being single, um, alcoholism, because that is something that has been in my life for a long time. Um, and and depression, you know, all these. And I started reading um, authors such as Dolly Alderton, Bryony Gordon, um, Daisy Buchanan, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brene Brown, just all these amazing female authors that just started speaking to me. And I just was like, oh, thank fuck, it's not just me. And all mm. these, I'm just reading these words off a page. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, yes, that's how I feel. Yes. And I started relating to all these things they were saying. And these women, most of, in most of these books I read, they were completely non-fiction, but basically biographical accounts of their experiences, which I know you've done too. And I, um, I couldn't believe that there's so, there were so many brave women who were willing to put their face next to their story and say, hey, this is our experience. It's not just you. It's okay. Things can get really shit, but it's fine. It will be fine. You will be fine. But the main thing uh, that really, really called out to me was the humour. All these books, all these women managed to keep this sense of humour. And there was one particular book that I read by an amazing author called Catherine Gray. And she'd written a book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. Love that. Um, have you read it? Or have you- yeah, I listened to it on Audible. Oh my God. I just, I read it and was like, you know, at this point I was, I was totally drowning my sorrows. I was, it was classic. I was just, well, fuck it. Yeah. The wine, literally. Um, And I read this, I read The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and I thought, okay, it really, all her experience, she speaks so much about her experience, all the things that she's, all the things that she's done. And I've thought, oh my God, I've done that too. And it's so, it feels so shameful. It feels so embarrassing, but actually, hello, we're human. Mm-hmm. Then I saw that she was doing another one called The Unexpected Joy of Being Single. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to save my life. <laughs> she's going to tell me what to do. She's going to tell me what to do. 
and it came out and I read it and I was just absolutely like thank you thank you thank you thank you for writing that book meanwhile so whilst I'm doing all this reading I had decided okay don't give up on writing don't give up on acting just allow yourself to get back into it but this time you're by yourself so that was the biggest thing for me was I had stepped away from a situation where I was surrounded by people. I'd been working with the same people for many years and I had decided to take myself away, wipe the slate, start again. Not, nobody, nobody did anything wrong. But for me, I think I had just got to a point where I needed to, I needed to be by myself, mm. do things my way. Um, mm -hmm. So I started writing. And then I had a moment of bravery where I thought, do you know what? I'm going to message Catherine Gray. <laughs> I thought this, she, you know, I thought well, I'm just going to message her because I wanted her to know, not, you know, and she will get told this all the time, but I just wanted to say, thank you. Mm. I've just totally opened up my mind and explained to me, she's explained why I felt these desperate urges to, find a man and fall in love and have babies and why when I would speak to a guy I would picture him as the father of my children and not mm. just him as a, a guy that I'm on a date with you know those things we do and we get called psycho crazy women but it is it's nature it's science so much of it is just in our makeup and we can't help it mm. and it's not just women either it happens to men too anyway so I got in touch with her and I um we started talking and she is actually now on board with my new script um, as a script supervisor. So I'm not completely by myself. I, you know, Catherine Gray is is there, and she's that's incredible. She's an amazing, amazing woman, and to, I, I just think there is so much merit to taking your experiences and going okay right how can I help someone else mm. like what you've done mm. and I think um yeah basically that's that's what you know we were saying about you know going through if, if it wasn't for the the dark times you wouldn't necessarily get get that substance that you need to create something worth creating yeah and that's yeah that's that's where it was for me it was it just it started out because I was in a shitter of a place and it's I've used it to help me get to a much 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 better place so mm. you know that's been, amazing it's been a yeah it's been a it's been a journey that's for sure mm. definitely um yeah I love like so I since speaking to Michael Maisie I decided that I was going to cut alcohol out of my life did you so yeah I didn't do it straight away I did it on my birthday um which was in April yeah. Did you not drink on your birthday? Was it like, that's, I'm not doing it? Yeah, stop drinking, just like, right. so, and um, technically it was the day before my birthday, but yeah. still, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't because, like, I was drinking every day or I was drinking to drown my sorrows, but I think I'd, I, I realised that I was using alcohol in a way that wasn't serving me properly. It was yeah. a bad relationship. I was in a bit of a bad relationship with it. And I, and I'd, after speaking to Michael, he'd kind of, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And I listened to Catherine Gray's book. 
um, on Audible, and I really loved it. I listened to Claire Pooley's book. Yeah. You're, you're really like um, Claire Bo- Pooley's I'm book. Yeah, yeah. Because she, she wrote it, basically she'd started a blog from the day she decided that she was no longer going to drink anymore, and she yeah. documents every day. Yeah. And the book is basically like a condensed version of that blog. And it's really funny. And um, we had, so I had her on the podcast and we were talking about it. And in her book, she talks about how she used to view herself as Bridget Jones. I mean, who who hasn't? I know I have. I know, but it's because, again, it's this glamorized version of a woman who sits at home on her own drinking wine and... Yeah. And just wants to find the love of her life, and yay, happy ending. She finds someone. She exactly, exactly, and like that's. But that's what quite. A lot, I mean, I used to love Bridget Jones, and like she'll yeah. still hold a special place in my yeah, head. So I don't want to be like her anymore. No, but that's the. Th- it's because it's glamorized. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so she see she talked about how she said, "Oh, Bridget Jones has got a lot to answer for," which made me laugh. But <laughs> then in her book, she said, "Right, well, I'm going to change." change the way I'm going to change my narrative I'm going to change the woman that I aspire to be and she changed it to Daenerys Targaryen and started talking about how she was the mother of dragons and stuff and obviously the book came out a couple of years ago and I spoke to her just after the final Game of Thrones yeah and or no actually was it the final I think it might have just been the one before when Daenerys is God, I don't want to give away spoilers. <laughs> she's, she's had a little wobble. Um, and I, and I, it was really funny because we were talking about it. And I was just like, well, are you still on board with the Daenerys Targaryen thing after that episode? She was like, oh, she was like, I don't know if I'm mentally ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> but you, you've got to find humor. Like even yeah. in the saddest moments, you, you have to find humor. Shakespeare did it. Exactly. You have to. You absolutely have to because otherwise, well, if you don't laugh, you cry. Yeah. With the, this script that I'm, that I'm writing at the moment, it gets dark, but there is so much comedy in it mm. that I'm sort of trying to rein it in a bit. And, okay, wait, it can't all be comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but, there, but actually there is a lot of humour in, in the dark times, especially in hindsight. I think that's the thing. You can look back in hindsight and look at where your mind was at at a certain time. Yeah. Before. God, what was I thinking? And yeah, look at that behavior. But but also the key is to not punish yourself or beat yourself up for behaviors that you've experienced in the past. Because again, we are all human. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does things when their mind is elsewhere. You know, mm. you can be going through something and you are not necessarily behaving in a way that you would if you were in your, I guess, calm. happy mind. Yeah, but so no alcohol. How's it going? Do you know what? It's not bad at all. Yeah. We had a housewarming party the end of last month and I thought it was going to be really difficult, but it wasn't. And I mean, we, I think I had, there's like alcohol free champagne that I bought just yeah. in case. Isn't like it funny though, when you, cause I've done it before for about six, I've done six months before of no alcohol, felt great for it to be honest. And also I'm in a sort of consideration of actually an alcohol free life would actually be pretty awesome. Mm. But isn't it interesting that if you're in a room full of people who are all drinking, if you've got a, say you've got like a pint glass full of water and you're sipping it, you feel like, it feels weird. Yeah. Because you fill up a wine glass with an alcohol-free sparkling beverage, you suddenly feel part of it. And you yeah. suddenly think, 
oh, you always get like the placebo effect of being drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's it's funny that we have to we still have to do that in order for it to. I don't know. It's such a strange mindset, but yeah. it's true. Well, it, I mean, it's like, I mean, all the books say it. it, it I mean, alcohol is the only drug that we will promote and we tell our children that, you know, they can have it. Yeah. And encourage it sometimes. And yeah. it is a really interesting one. I think the more the more sober literature I've read, the more empowering it, is, it becomes. And I've just kind of said I'm going to do it for a year and it might be longer. I don't know. Like, you know, it's just one of those things and it's an experiment for me. And I think that the big, the big fear as well, and I don't know if you found this when you stopped drinking for those six months, is that if somebody asks me and I say I don't drink, are they, they going to think I had a problem with alcohol? Like, yeah. it's a genuine thought. And the first time I told some of my, my husband's family, their immediate response was, are you going to try and get pregnant? <laughs> and I was like, but that isn't that the thing it's that you there has to be some massive reason reason don't drink and yeah. my my main fear of it is with and this is probably even worse is that everyone will go oh you're really boring yeah it's so so what and actually no I've been on plenty of nights out been on holidays where I haven't actually drunk and actually mm. have had just as good a time maybe a better time because I can actually remember it yeah stay awake yeah. um, when I haven't been drinking. In fact, at Glastonbury a couple of years ago, it had got to probably about, I'm going to say five o'clock in the morning. And me and my friend, I don't think we'd had a sip of alcohol since maybe, I don't know, three o'clock that afternoon. So we'd gone and watched all the music and we were just, we were just out and about. We were sober as you can be at five o'clock in the morning. And we were being ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous in this field being probably even louder and crazier than all the people that are on God knows what at that point. Mm. And the amount of people that came up to say, hey, what have you taken? Uh, can, can we get some? We were like, we've taken nothing. So yeah. Just were completely, completely able to have this amazing, ridiculous, fun time without that. Yeah, 100%. Like I'm weirder and possibly more crazier since I've stopped drinking. Like. <laughs> When like yeah. I, I think Alan was thinking he was going to get a peaceful ride of it, but <laughs> no, like not at all. I'm way weirder. Like when somebody said, "Oh, are you trying to get pregnant?" My response was, "I'd rather sew my vagina up," and they just weren't <laughs> expecting me to say it. But I mean, and <laughs> you become more authentically you because yeah. you don't have that beer fear, that anxiety afterwards, oh and God. yeah. It's so much more freeing, and I so far I am really enjoying it um, because I, I think it, I know it's especially British culture. I just think we're programmed to drink, mm. and it's definitely something I want to seriously consider as well. Just going completely alcohol free. Mm. Are you writing yeah. about it? So I started writing about it. And then we got the puppy. And, <laughs> so everything else just stops. So my productivity yeah. has gone down. But I would like, I think I started writing about it because I thought if this is going to be, if I find this difficult, this is going to be a good story to share. Yeah. 
because because so many people are going that way now so many people want to do that mm. and i think the thing that stops a lot of people is i think there's two things first of all it's that no because alcohol is not a massive problem for me i don't need to do that mm. and b it's the fear of of exactly what you said that the questions people are going to ask what are mm. people going to say and that's the thing is that the only reason that we're scared to do it is because of other people yeah societal expectation no sun's out have a drink no it's your birthday have a drink no it's a wedding have a drink mm. like i i mean i probably did what many brides do like i didn't get really drunk on my wedding at all because i was just so yeah, happy I've heard a lot of brides have said, said that they just also there's not the time no <laughs> Yeah. No, not at all. And I mean, we didn't have a traditional wedding. We were in Italy and yeah. it was like very chill. By the way, it looked absolutely beautiful. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to get divorced so I can do it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like at the, in the, because it had been one of those crazy days, I think I had maybe a couple of glasses of wine. I was in bed by like 10 o'clock. I went to sleep. My husband went off and played played not played uh, <laughs> but like went off and had some drinks with my yeah. best friend and her boyfriend and that was how we spent our wedding day, night and it's like the, but that's the thing like my whole day wasn't centered around alcohol but the only thing I would take away would be having even a couple of glasses of wine because I just was I, I'd been up since five yeah. I, I wasn't drunk or anything but I just suddenly you know when you just get so tired and you're like I just want to fall asleep yeah. Yeah, And so that's the only regret that I had. I wouldn't go as far as saying it as a regret, but the only thing I would slightly change if I could. But yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. And I think that like the whole judgment thing go- goes back to what we say about the, the writing and, and how you can, you can say more, you can, you can be yourself more and put yourself out there more through writing and, and tell that story. Because yeah. often when people see somebody's, outer their their face their 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 voice the way they dress they can create judgments and then might not be as invested in the story as they might be yeah totally so yeah we kind of touched on like british uh, society in terms of like drinking then but taking it back to your writing did you find because i (laughs) I don't know if this is true, but I kind of think like British humour is an acquired taste sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think we're a little bit darker. Yes. In fact, I've spent quite a lot of time in America with work. And yeah, sometimes it just doesn't go down well. <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm joking. Actually, I met um, on the set of Kellers Anonymous. I met I met Ryan Brown, who is she's from LA. She's an actress and a singer, and she's probably one of my favourite people in the world. And she came she came over from LA. When I first met her, I was I'd seen all her stuff, and I was just like, oh my god, this girl! You know, when you just instantly idolise someone, and you mm-hmm. think, oh gosh, she's going to think I'm a twat. Oh my gosh, she's going to hate me. Oh my god, oh my god, I'm such a loser. And I was just doing all those things, doing all those things, don't make eye contact, and then she, you know, she <laughs> maybe she'll just not know you're there. Anyway, we ended up becoming such good friends because her sense of humour as well is so British. Things so I was like, hey, you don't mind making jokes about? I'm not probably won't even say the kind of things make jokes about, but. She was like, yeah, that's my, I love that sense of humour. And she totally, totally, like, loves, you know, British comedy loves that really extreme sense of humour. It was so refreshing to 
meet someone like her and match on a sense of humor level yeah oh she's yeah especially when you're surrounded by like people that may not get it yeah (laughs) did you have to like with your writing did you have to change things because it just wouldn't land especially yeah because um for so particularly the first the first script that I wrote was set in LA so again sense of humor that and because it was my first one it was very much I had to really listen to what humor is that you know we watch so we as Brits as well we're brought up on watching American comedy so you do have you have an idea mm. uh, but they you know even but even cert, just certain words don't work over there it's like what's what does that mean you know it's it's there's a completely different um dialogue almost but I think British comedy is definitely it's becoming more popular over there as well so I think there's a, a, I don't know but yes you do have to change things and and also I mean the the script that I'm writing at the moment is set in both London and in LA so there's kind of a bit of both but you know I'm British and I have British sense of humour I'm writing it so it's all going in <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's a lot of expletives there's a lot of toilet humour there's a lot of sex jokes there's a lot you know but it's and it's very vulgar I think that's mm. the that it's very and coming from the mouths of women as well I think that you know women are just as if not more vulgar than men especially when you're amongst your close friends oh yeah I mean this uh, men men think that we when we get together it's all like nice little pillow fights <laughs> and like actually we're probably talking about like what we found on our bodies that was different <laughs> or like the smell <laughs> of something like we're not co- like you know <laughs> Absolutely not. We're gross. We're absolutely gross. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I think we just ruined every like teenage boys fantasy then. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, we're gross. No no sleepovers and that's the thing. Like there is no sleepovers and short, 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 short pajamas and stuff. It it is big baggy tops covered in like sauce or curry. Yeah, there's always sauce. <laughs> there's always some sauce. Even when you hadn't eaten sauce. Yeah, there's always a bit of some kind of tomatoey, spicy yeah. on someone somewhere. Yeah, and when you're a teenager as well, there's many different like situations where you wake up on a night after a night out and it's it is it sauce? Is it something else? <laughs> Please say that's sauce. Yeah, could it be? <laughs> Sauce isn't normally white. <laughs> carbonara, maybe. <laughs> That's an interesting bit of carbonara you've got on your top there. When did we eat pasta? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, dear. Well, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the podcast. It's yeah, been lovely. It's a pleasure. Where can people find you? So, I'm, yeah, I'm, when, whenever there's sort of um, any updates and stuff come in, I'm just retweeting everything. So that is Elizabeth Morris, M-O-R-R-I, underscore, because I couldn't fit Morris. So I've okay. had to Elizabeth Morris, underscore. Okay. Instagram, we have got Elizabeth Morris, underscore, underscore, underscore. That's three underscores. <laughs> <laughs> on there. Um, I've got a link to the trailer for Killers Anonymous on there. And again, any, any updates, anything that's coming in, it's all on there. Um, and yeah, so like I said, that one is released in the States on the 28th of June. We're still waiting to hear about the UK release, but it's looking like it might be August time. 
um yeah and there will be some hopefully some exciting updates soon about this next script as well so which i'm really really looking forward to i'm really really looking forward to it too thank you cool right well thank you very much and we will see you guys soon yes bye bye